Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today it's me and I am going to be talking all about how to deal with relapse. Now this is something I've been asked about a lot in my DMs on Instagram and it has been a much requested topic. So I'm going to share some of my best tips and strategies for how to deal with relapse because of course this is an inevitable part of the recovery journey. Let's get to it. So relapse is an absolutely normal and inevitable part of recovery. And it's incredibly rare that someone won't relapse because you can't just stop eating disorder behaviors. We have to deal with food every day. It's not quite like giving up smoking or alcohol where we don't actually kind of need those things to survive, unlike with food. So the tricky thing with regulating food and eating disorder behaviors is it's something we have to include in every day. So it's inevitable that relapses are gonna happen And it might be lapsing back into restrictive eating, binge eating, purging, chewing or spitting or over-exercising or other behaviors. So it's really vital to embrace relapses and see them as part of the process of recovery. And I like to call relapses blips or learning experiences. It really softens them and makes them feel much more valuable. Over time, as you move along the recovery road, you will relapse less in frequency and you will also recover faster. So try to welcome in your relapses. Every time you have a relapse, it's a fantastic opportunity to get tuned into your specific triggers and to gain self-awareness. Now, if you're not familiar already with Prochaska and DiClemente's cycle of change, you might want to have a Google of it and to look it up. So that's Prochaska and DiClemente's cycle of change. And this is a really helpful model for embracing relapse and seeing as well that our motivation does naturally fluctuate when we are engaging in a change behavior. And Prochaska and DiClemente's cycle of change is not just relevant for eating disorders, but for any life change that you're wanting to embrace. So it demonstrates that our motivation to change naturally fluctuates. It is rare to feel motivated and firing on all cylinders every single day. In fact, there will be natural surges and dips in your motivation. Completely normal. Now, first of all, you may feel what Prochaska and Di Clementi describe as pre-contemplative about change. So this is when you're not really even thinking about change. So if you have an eating disorder, when you're in a pre-contemplative phase, other people may be noticing that you have a problem and expressing concern. However, you might feel that you're fine and that they're making a fuss. You might not see your eating as a problem. And right now you have no desire to change. So you can see as well that when you are in a pre-contemplative phase and other people are commenting, but you don't really take on board their comments, it can probably make you feel quite angry, quite resistant, not really gonna help you to change. So what happens in the cycle of change is you move from a pre-contemplated position to one of contemplation. 
So when you're contemplative about change, you might be acknowledging that there's some issues with your eating or body image. You may start to think about the pros and cons of living with the eating disorder. So, for example, you might recognize that restrictive eating gives you a sense of achievement. Maybe it helps distract you from difficult feelings. Maybe it's a kind of coping strategy. There also might be some real costs, like you might find your concentration is really poor. You might be feeling weak or dizzy. You might have stopped socializing with your friends, but you might feel very torn because of the pros of the eating disorder and the cons of the eating disorder are pulling you in different directions. And when you're in a contemplative place, you're not ready to change yet. Thank you very much. And change might feel quite scary and unmanageable. And this can be quite a difficult stage to be in. And I think if people around you are pushing you to change, but you are in a, cont are in a contemplative state, sometimes that can make you feel even more entrenched in the eating disorder because of if we're feeling pushed to change, we will normally defend our position. So when you move from the contemplative stage of the cycle of change, you move into preparation. The preparation is when you're thinking about what do I need to put in place to make the change? And that might be getting support around you. It might be engaging with a meal plan. Maybe if you're doing some weight restoration, it might be about seeing a therapist. It might be about reading self-help books. It might be, be about journaling. It might be doing anything that helps get you into a place where you're feeling more ready to do the change. You then move into action. So action is more self-explanatory. You're kind of doing the do. You're putting the changes into practice day by day, and you're beginning to build a bit of momentum. Now, of course, for action phase to be a sustainable place, you need to be in maintenance for quite a while. When we are changing our habits, when we are learning new skills and strategies for coping, we need to repeat these again and again and again before we truly feel that the changes are embedded and they are the new way of coping. So maintenance sometimes needs to go on for quite some time to feel the changes really embedded. But such an important part of the cycle of change is relapse. So relapse will occur as part of the process and you will go around this cycle numerous times, okay? You're not just going to move from pre-contemplation to contemplation to preparation to action to maintenance and then go off into the sunset recovered. It's extremely unlikely. You're going to very likely relapse again and again and again. And this is normal. It's inevitable. So embrace these learning experiences as valuable lessons and really see relapse as an integral part of the process. So you might think, well, this is all very well, Harriet to be saying all of this, but how do you deal with relapses? So I'm going to give you six tips here to help you cope. So number one, stop catastrophizing the relapse. Okay, so a relapse is a bit like falling off a bike on a bike ride. So maybe you fell off due to unexpected hazards in the road. It doesn't mean you're back to square one just because you've fallen off. You can dust yourself back off and get back on the bike. Stopping on the way or taking a diversion from your desired path does not conflict with a determination to get there in the end. So a lapse is not a catastrophe. It's an inevitable blip. You will survive and get back on track. 
And I think so often we really make the mistake of seeing the little blip, the little relapse of something catastrophic that puts us back to square one and we feel like all the progress we've made has gone out the window, we beat ourselves up and then we give up. So try to see it a bit like as you when you learn to ride a bike, if you have learned to ride a bike, that you will fall off many times. And actually that doesn't mean that you cannot learn. It just means it's part of the process. So embrace it. It's not a catastrophe. Number two, see a relapse as a learning experience. Examine what was going on, which led up to the lapse, and problem solve the next time what you could do instead. So I know in my recovery, common triggers for me for relapsing included not eating enough in the day. With this, I would get over hungry, and then I'll get to about four o'clock in the afternoon. I would lose control around food because I'd really got to that over-hungry state. And um, basically, then I found it really really hard to control my eating. So for me, establishing regular eating, stabilizing blood sugar, and planning my eating episodes all helped make sure that I avoided those over-hunger triggers. Another trigger for me was driving myself too hard and not having breaks. Now, I particularly remember when I was at university, I would regularly try to push myself to finish an essay well beyond the point of when my brain could function effectively. Then I would feel angry and frustrated with myself for not achieving as I wanted to. And I would then use food to distract and escape from the situation rather than allowing myself earlier to have a proper break and to take time away from the stressor. So again, I really had to learn that in these instances, Rather than pushing myself relentlessly, I needed to like work for blocks of time and then get out of my room, get away from my desk, go outside, do something different, have a proper break. And that really helped me to start to interrupt that pattern of when I was using food to escape or distract myself. Number three, attribute the relapse to outside influence. Now, of course, we do need to take some responsibility for our relationship with food and our recovery. Just kind of blaming it on everything else in the world is not going to be so helpful. However, saying that, it's really helpful not getting into a punishing and self-blaming dialogue. So sometimes just recognizing what has happened externally can take the pressure off you and away from the self-blame. So what you can do here is view each lap as a single event in which you are in a high-risk situation. So perhaps you're bored or angry or taken by surprise and that you had low motivation at that point to deal with the trigger. So have compassion and understanding for yourself in this situation. You know, it's probably hit a vulnerable spot and no wonder you struggled. Because the problem is, if you don't see it as this little blip and you start to take it really personally, you start to then berate your whole, whole, whole character and self-worth. And when we do this to ourselves, we'll feel so hopeless and unmotivated and then really powerless to change and then we'll become really self-punishing. So that is not helpful. So it's really much more effective to see these little blips as kind of isolated events where something happened that triggered your vulnerable spot. And this is not a reflection on your whole self-worth. Number four, enhance motivation to get back on track. 
Now, this is not about being good, like when you may have sort of dieted in the past. When I'm talking about getting back on track, we're talking about getting back on track with recovery. So to do this, you probably need to calm down because if you're agitated, this really distorts judgment and gives energy as well to the kind of self-sabotaging behaviors that we can fall into. So get outside, go for a walk, change your environment, talk to a friend, do something that helps calm your nervous system. Self-care or rest as well. Love and approval of the self work much better to reverse negative feelings. Now, when you are relapsing, the last thing you're often going to feel like doing is self-caring or resting. But this is the time when you need to do it most. So don't wait to feel like doing it. Actively have something in place which is self-caring and follow through on it, even if you don't feel like it, because the helpful feelings will follow after you take action. And really view it again as a learning experience to kind of get back on track. You know, you haven't blown it all. You know, this is just a little blip in the road and you have just taken a slight diversion and you can get back on the recovery road. You can do it. Number five, use lots of positive self-talk. Again, in the moment, this may be the last thing that you feel like doing. But it's really important to find statements that are meaningful to you and to write them down. So putting pen to paper can be empowering and make the thinking much more solid and embedded into your psyche. So you might say things like, I refuse to judge myself by the things I do wrong without counting the thousands of things that I do right. I can learn something from this experience which will help me cope better in the future. I approve of myself. What is the nicest possible thing I can do for myself right now? Beating myself up is fattening. I refuse to do that to myself. So it's really important. You know, you might want to have these statements on hand so you can access them when you are feeling really distressed in the moment after you've had a relapse. And then again, actually writing these down, putting pen to paper can really help to embed them. And again, you might not feel like doing it, but really see it as a strategy to support yourself in terms of getting back on the recovery road. And number six, renew commitment. So remember why you are doing this. Why are you wanting to change? Why are you on this journey in the first place? Have a vision board handy with your goals and aspirations, maybe the places you want to travel to, the studying or the jobs you want to do, the things that you want to do with your friends. Really engage with a bigger picture of what recovery is all about because this will help get your head above the parapet and help you to have that broader picture view of what recovery is all about. Make sure as well that your goals are realistic Aim for goals that are manageable and sustainable long term and have recovery strategies to get you back on track with your journey. So it might be getting back into your regular eating routine, even if you don't feel like it. It might be picking up the phone and speaking to someone who's supportive, even when you don't feel like reaching out. It might be doing something 
that's really fun and pleasurable. You know, maybe watching your favorite film, going somewhere outside in nature, which always makes you feel calm. Doing something that helps you gain that broader perspective to take a step back and to calm your nervous system so you can engage with a bigger picture of recovery and why you are doing this. So in summary, my six strategies, stop the catastrophizing thinking. View it as a learning experience. It's just a blip. It's all it is. Attribute to outside influence. Don't put lots of self-blame on because it will destroy self-worth and make you feel stuck. Enhance your motivation to get back on track. Use positive self-talk and renew commitment. Remember why you are doing this in the first place. And remember, relapse is normal. Relapse is inevitable. You will go around the cycle of change many times before you exit for good. Be kind and compassionate to yourself in this process. You will get there in the end. This recovery is absolutely possible. You just need to keep chipping away, accessing support, remembering why you're doing it, using those coping strategies. You will get there. So if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode i'd be so grateful if you would follow rate and review this podcast as it helps it reach so many more listeners thank you so much for listening today and i look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon